Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to episode 105 of Writer on the Road. The first thing I want to do today is say thank you to everybody who's been downloading the podcast. I've been really excited to watch our stats grow and our our listenership grow. Um, And I'm so proud to be promoting, I guess, our Aussie authors and to be talking about writing excellence, which is what we're about here on Writer on the Road. So thank you to everybody. Um, Please subscribe at iTunes. And something I never chase is iTunes reviews. But if anyone wants to leave an iTunes review, that would be great as well. Uh, You can subscribe to our newsletter over at Writer on the Road, www.writeronthered.com and get your free copy of our writing guidelines, The Voices in Your Head, uh, as we valiantly try to bring our voices under control. Uh, and it's usually the critical editor one that wins out over the creative one. And that's not what we want in, in the first stages of our writing. Uh, we're running, or I think we're up to about day 18 of our 30 Days to Better Writing Habits. And that has been one of the most amazing experiences for me as I make my way back into the writing habit. Uh, and I was doing it for you guys, and I think I got more out of it myself. But I'd forgotten that the best way to get the writing done is to sit down and write. And you plan and your subconscious comes into play and starts to starts to guide your writing and your characters take on a life of their own. There is nothing more rewarding, everyone. So if you're thinking about writing a story or you're thinking about taking this writing journey with us, uh, why don't you tap into 30 Days to Better Writing Habits. That will be uh, up there for free on Teachable as soon as I get around to organising it once the 30 days has finished. And it will be there for you if you ever want to start on that journey yourself if now it's not quite the time. Uh, This week, we've got the beautiful Sherry McCarthy joining us. Now, Sherry knows all about uh, the messiness of life. And what we're talking about is messy middles and messy middles with our writing and messy middles with our life. As we try to get words on the page, nothing ever runs smoothly. And it's very rare to have that perfect perfect environment or Virginia Woolf's um, room of one's own to write. And Sherry lives on a yacht and she's sailing around the world at the moment with a husband and two young children. And quite often when she's doing her um, podcasting or her coaching or talking to the rest of us over at uh, her her website, um, uh, Creative Mermaids, she's sitting in front of her galley fridge or she's battling internet issues. And this woman is one of the most amazingly inspirational women that I've ever met and I'm very proud to call her my friend. So please listen in. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk to you about today because I'm in the middle of a messy move and we're moving into the big city of Brisbane and we're going to be city chicks and I'm pretty excited to to move out of my messy middle into my golden years I think at the age of um, 56 and I'm going to be a bohemian writer. I've always wanted to be a bohemian writer uh, so my 30 days to better writing habits is is sort of a bit of a I think it's a bit of a reaction to uh, the beautiful Tracy Peterson and her her efforts at a million words a year. Now she's in a group about uh, this year 2018 writing a million words and what came up on Facebook yesterday is that as a group I say we, but I haven't contributed very many of these words, but the group as a whole has already reached a million words. And I'm sure a lot of the people in that 
group will actually individually make their million words as well. So I'll, I'll keep a track of that and let you know. But for now, sit back, listen to uh, Sherry McCarthy tell us about Messy Middles. And don't forget, if you haven't started the writing habit, now is as good a time as any. Everybody, I am so very, very excited. I am talking to the ultimate no bad for a second time. Sherry McCarthy, welcome to Writer on the Road. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here again. Yeah. Now, last time Sherry and I spoke, we had so much fun and it was absolutely crazy. But she's been sailing around the world since the last time we spoke and it was very, very hard to track her down. Uh, Sherry, I've invited you back to talk writing and I've invited you back to talk messy middles of writing. But first of all, I'd love you to give me and my listeners a little update on what you've been up to lately. Okay, well, I think since the last time we spoke, I was actually working pretty much strictly on my fiction under Lynn Francis and the Samurai book. So that actually went out. That's been published. Um, but then I had my own messy middle hit, and I moved a little bit more into nonfiction and uh, working with writers and other creatives on how they can continue creating in the middle of a messy middle. And basically, a messy middle is life you know like so many of us are waiting for that perfect situation to hit where they're going to sit they're going to write or even in my circumstances where I thought okay I'm moving on to the boat I'm going to start sailing around the world or at least around Europe you know I'm going to have all this free time to write the internet it's going to be easy and fantastic I should have known better you know like internet and marinas don't exist um, writing was shrunk down to two hours a day because I have kids on the boat. There's no place you're going with kids on the boat. Um, you know, so basically my partner would take them for two hours a day to write. Um, and I quickly realized that, you know, this whole fantasy thing was quickly falling apart. I was not getting the time to write that I wanted to write. Um, yeah, there's some things that happened within my family in Canada that just devastated me. And I was just like, okay, things have to change. And I've got two choices. I can work my way through this messy middle and continue creating and use the creating actually to help me get out of this. Or I can do this whole giving up thing and go with, you know what, I can't, I can't do this. It's too hard. You know, getting the books out in time is too hard. Um, Finding readers is too hard and all they're able to do it. And I think this is where a lot of writers give up because it is hard. It's not easy. Even if you have the perfect circumstances, you know, sometimes you read about these success stories and everyone believes it's going to be fast. And you're like, okay, even two years is fast. That's fast. You know, two nights. <laughs> this is not going to happen. Um, and yeah, and so that's basically what it was. And then I started putting out some books for, called um, Creative Mermaid Books and the courses and doing some coaching, helping other people get through this at the same time. Yeah, and that's the short story, everybody. Uh, <laughs> exactly, very short story. <laughs> yeah, now Sherry has packed a, she's packed a lot into that very short introduction. And my pictures of you, Sherry, are propped up against a fridge uh, in, <laughs> in the yacht, in the galley, uh, doing whatever you had to do crammed into this very small spot now that's not easy everybody I've lived on a yacht and I've lived in a caravan and it's one thing to say yeah we can do it anywhere and with anything but it's not actually true Sherry sitting in the galley propped up with your feet against the stairs how have you managed to continue a creative life with all that happening around you 
Well, the big thing was embracing the messy middle, <laughs> really rolling with it. So even with my courses and whatnot, um, that's part of what I say. Like the price is low, even for low courses. But like I say at the beginning of a lot of my courses is that you are paying for the information. You're not paying for the editing. You're not paying for me to have a fancy setup, you know, because I can't give it to you. So I have two choices. Either I say, okay, you know what, in order for me to create, I need a space that doesn't move. Because occasionally in my videos, the boat will rock. Like, you know, like even at harbor or something, you know, a fishing boat goes by, everything falls down. If it's a minute, two minutes in, I restart. But if it's been, you know, half an hour and I'm just about to say goodbye and that video falls over, I'm not doing it again. I can't. Like, the kids are coming back in 20 minutes. You know, the kids, the dog, <laughs> we live in a nine and a half meters, you know, small space. So this is a big thing that we kind of go with, okay, you know what, but that's what you're paying for. You're not paying for me to edit it three hours for every 20 minutes you see. You're not paying for the good lighting. You're paying for this information very much as if I'm sitting in front of you and we're having a conversation and I'm telling you what I think you need to know. And so giving myself that permission to be messy, to be, you know what, this is my creative space. Um, you know what, maybe you want that shiny perfection. And if you do, you'll find it someplace else. That's okay. But if you're kind of looking for permission to start creating where you are and move from there, because we all need to start from somewhere. And I think this is something that um, killed most creatives is that we have that image of what we could be. And first off, even if we do have the perfect setup, we have all the shininess, you know, we've got daycare, you know, we've got the money to have our own little studio. You still be bad before you can be good. So, you know, this system isn't going to help you work through these kinks. But most of us don't have that system to begin with. You know, we really start looking at ourselves, comparing ourselves to people who are 5, 10, 15 years in the future who first have worked out their kinks, have made the money, reinvested it. We can't compare ourselves there. You know, we are – and they have their own missing middle. It's just, you know, you go up with it. You know, so, But it's really not fair to start looking at – our lives and saying, okay, if I can't be Amy Porterfield, I, or Jonah Penn, I can't do this. They also were not who they were 10 years ago. You know, they all started from somewhere and my missing middle is on a boat, very rocky, <laughs> but I do believe my information is there and I think I should start putting it out now and improve as I go. And I think that's the important part. And that's your messy middle is just fighting through it, learning the lessons and then applying them and doing it again and learning, and again, and again. It's the whole Anais Nin thing. Perfection is static, and I'm in full motion, you know? Yeah. As is my house. <laughs> and and look, you've got to love this woman. I think if the last time I had you on, Sherry, just the vibrancy and just the excitement and just the enthusiasm. It's worth just sitting back here and listening everybody and watching. <laughs> uh, it's it's really, really good fun. But I, will, I do want to take on board that whole one step at a time, having a go, people are really, really forgiving if they know that you're genuine. Absolutely. And this is just it. I mean, yeah, that that's, you just hit it. You know, if you're trying to be someone you're not, and you're trying to have that shiny exterior, it's not going to come across as authentic. They're going to see it. They're going to feel it. And that's also devastating because you're trying so hard. You know, you're trying to be this shiny exterior. Look at me. My books are so shiny and perfect. And my courses are so shiny and perfect. And, um, but it's not you. And you're really forcing yourself to be in this box. Whereas I think if you really go for it, okay, this is me, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, like all of us, 
And people see themselves in that. And I think that's where people make that connection and go, actually, you're right. Um, and, and you understand what it's like. I mean, I'm scared when I put this stuff out. I know I'm opening myself up to pot shots. At the same time, it's this whole Brene Brown thing of, um, you know, being in the arena or not. I mean, I know she didn't come up with that um, quote, but, you know, this she really worked with that. Which is, you know, if you're not in the arena with me, you don't get to say anything. You know, if you're sitting there looking at me going, oh, yeah what a horrible video, I could do better. Okay, why haven't you? You know, most people who are doing these videos are like, good job on you for trying, you know, and I understand how much it hurts. <laughs> you know, This is actual physical pain sometimes to watch yourself. I mean, I don't know if you were um, in Creative Freedom when Joanna Penn shared one of her first videos with us. Oh, it does hurt. She was so awkward and she, but, but at the same time, she was still Joanna. You know what I mean? And it was like, you wanted to go hug her and be like, you're going to do this. Maybe I check back on you in a year. Maybe I don't want to keep watching you right now, but I know in a year, maybe two, you're going to be fabulous. And sure enough, she was. And I think this is the important part, that even if they decide right now they don't want to continue with you, they're kind of like, you're too rough for me right now, but I see a spark of something. I see you are trying. I see you are genuine. The talent is there. You just need to sharpen it. You just need to refine it. And I'll come back and check again in a little bit. And I think this is what... A lot of people do is they quit too soon. They quit at that point where they're like, oh, no one likes me yet. Of course not. You haven't done the whole iron glass thing of refining your talent. You know, you, you'll get there. But you just can't let that not that gap between what you like and what you are kill you. You know, <laughs> like that's and we do. We give up too soon because of that. Yeah. I love that idea of quitting too soon, Sherry. Uh I'm I'm very much for just jumping in and doing it and we're talking about our indie publishing and we're talking about our writing. Just do it step by step and clawing your way through. And I've brought you on deliberately today to talk about messy middles. It is that point where if you're going to give up, that's where you do give up, isn't it? Yes. And I often talk about this, the messy middle is like the butterfly. So everyone talks about the caterpillar and the butterfly. You know, they really say about how, okay, I will take you from the caterpillar to the butterfly phase and you will come out this beautiful butterfly. They skip over the part. <laughs> you are a dissolved gooey mess inside of cocoon. <laughs> Let's face it, right? And it, it, it has to happen. That's your messy middle because, and this is where people give up, not because they can't do it, but they, they confuse this dissolved gooey mess with their fault. It's necessary. It's normal. It's going to happen. But if you think that you're a dissolved gooey mess because you're not good enough, this is where you're going to fail. If you think then I'm a dissolved gooey mess because this is part of the process, this is who I have, what I had to go through in order to get to be that butterfly, all of a sudden it's very different. It's still horrible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like There's still rejection and they're still trying to... Um, yeah, deal with that. And, you know, you put out your book and you're so proud of it. And then the first bad review comes in and you cry. And the next good review comes in and it's not nearly as, I don't know, it doesn't help your heart the same way one bad review does. You know, 10 glowing ones, you're like, yay. Then the first bad one, you're like, oh my God, my heart's in a million pieces. This is, I, I need 6,000 good ones to glue this back together. So I think that's normal though. This is the messy middle. This is you kind of going, you know, it doesn't matter how many people like it. The first person who says something bad about it just justified everything that you said to yourself in the messy middle. 
And that's why it hurts so much, because it's not someone else saying it, even though it is. It's actually the voices in your head all of a sudden being given food. And you're like, oh, they were right. It doesn't matter what everyone else said. It doesn't matter if they were complete strangers. But you're still like, oh, no, they see see the voices in my head were right. They were right. And this is where the messy middle is. You kind of go, you know what? No. If they were right, I'll improve it. If they weren't right, I don't need to take it on. I will move on. <laughs> but that's easier said than done, of course. But this is also, like I said, where if you become a butterfly or not, is if you can go with, okay, this messy middle is normal. It's a part of the process. And it's going to happen again with each and every single book, project, stage in your life. You know, you don't get to be a butterfly forever. You'll go back to being a caterpillar and you go back to a dissolved goo and you'll come back out a butterfly again. It's a cycle that keeps continuing and it will continue and it's supposed to continue, but the important thing is to remember that it's normal and not to blame yourself. Because as soon as you start blaming yourself for being a caterpillar or a goo, it is when you get stuck. You don't get to go any further. Yeah, I always wanted to be a goo. <laughs> Think of the spaces you can reach. <laughs> I love being goo. Um, it's really, really interesting. And again, everybody, it happened last time I was talking to Sherry as well. I'm just sitting back here watching this amazing woman uh, who you have no fixed address. You're on a yep. boat with two littlies who are probably, I don't know, three and four, four and five. Two and four. Yeah, two, two well, and five. They'll be, they'll be three and five in February. Yep, and, and boats aren't very long. Uh, yet you've managed to create a business. And everybody, it puts me in awe because we're all going, oh, how can we write and how can we do this? We're sitting in houses with bathrooms and toilets and places <laughs> where we can walk from room to room. We can walk out our doors and we can go to shops um, and yet we can't find the time to write. Yet, Sherry, you're sitting in front of your your fridge with your knees up around your neck, um, managing not only to write but to coach and to mentor and to inspire, uh, I guess, other writers who are coming along after you. Would you suggest that that's one of the most rewarding things about what you do is you've gotten to a stage now where you can see people coming along behind you and you go, I can help these people? Absolutely. Like, And, and this is one thing that why at the moment my fiction is not coming out as fast as I would like because as much as I love the fiction, um, yeah, getting that email of the book is out or getting that voicemail saying, thank you, that's exactly what I needed, gives me such a high. I won't lie. It's like, oh, yes. And it's not even that I help because in the end, the other person did it. Like, it does not matter. You can try to find, and this is the problem also, that we always look outside for people to fix us. And in the end, the person who does it is the writer, is the other person. You know, you can listen, 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 and then finally someone says something, and it's not that the other person did it for you. They just finally said it in a way that you heard it, and you're like, okay, now I will do the changing. I mean, otherwise, I'd be sitting down doing the writing for you. I can't do that, and I won't do that. I need to do my own writing. <laughs> so, But to say something or do something that makes someone go, ah, that's the click. That's what I need to do. And now I will go do that. That is fantastic. It really is. It's like, okay. I, and I believe the world would be a better place if we all were just more confident, creative people. Like, just think about if you said, you know what? Instead of going out and spending tons of money on materials I don't want or need, um, instead, I'm going to go write and use the money from that to do something I love as opposed to fill landfills with junk we don't want. Or instead of fighting with my neighbor or making myself feel bad over something I don't care about, in the end, I don't care about, maybe I'll just journal that out and turn it into a story. Like, it would be a utopia. <laughs> Seriously. 
Okay, the world I, needs more happy, creative, confident writers. We'd solve the problems. <laughs> yeah. Now, happy, confident, creative writers. And the trick everybody is, and I think this is what Sherry's trying to say and says it so much better than me, is that if you want to be a writer, write. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And not writing when the inspiration hits. You know, I actually just wrote a recent Medium post about this, which is that, and again, we blame ourselves for the wrong thing. And it's kind of like when it comes to writing and inspiration, if you just wander outside your house and hope to get a bus, maybe if you're really lucky, a bus will come by. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but you could also be sitting there for hours and not even on a bus route. <laughs> or you could have waited 45 minutes and went out and then it came in five. And yet at the same time, when it comes to writing, we expect this to happen. We expect to kind of be like, okay, I'm just going to wait for inspiration to hit or I'm just going to sit here and stare at the wall. Uh, you just need to write. You need to give yourself permission to write bad things because it's going to be bad. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> You're doing it for 10 years. It's still going to be your bad first draft. It's, it's just going to be bad. It'll be better bad than it was your first time 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, but There is no getting it out the first time you you need to work on it you need to give yourself permission it's the messy middle it's your first draft is the gooey cocoon phase if you want it to be a butterfly you need to let it dissolve and then you need to put it back together piece by piece and then let it come out yeah but we are again we just stop ourselves we expect it to be a butterfly right off the bat and then we get mad at ourselves instead of going no this is part of the process it hurts it hurts. I'm not saying it doesn't, but you need to go through the pain to get the the result. Yeah, and that's like anything. I look these um, top sports people don't go out and be top sports people if they if they don't train for years and years and years and 16 hours a day and they give up uh, things and then they eat really really boring food and they get to where they get and everyone says, oh wow, they've got it easy and then they knock them. Um, I think yes, we do the same for them. Yeah, and we do the same with our writers. We we yes. look at our top writers and we think, oh, that's because they're better than us. But in reality, if you look at their drafts, they you can, they they cry as much as we do, don't they? Uh, yeah, I think I read Dean Kuntz actually before he starts needs to go into his library and look at all the books he's written and go, I've done it before. I can do it again. And you can argue, you know, that he's a good writer or not a good writer, but I mean, the man has sold millions of copies. People like what he's doing and he still needs to go in. I mean, he has all the credits that most writers want, you know, he's got all the validation and he still needs to remind himself, okay, you can still do this. This is not a one hit wonder. It's not even a two hit wonder. I think he's got like 300 bucks or something like that. But that amazes me about how sensitive we are about this stuff. But in the end, which is fine. I don't think the sensitivity is the problem. The problem is that we then beat ourselves up and take that sensitivity as a way to stop ourselves. And that's where the problem is. The problem is not being sensitive. It's going to be there. The, you, what you've got to do is say, okay, I am sensitive. I know it's going to hurt. And I'm going to work through it anyway. Like the athlete, you know, he's, he's or she is in pain when they're training. But they think, you know what? Nope. It's worth it. It's worth it to get that personal best. It's worth it for that chance to compete for that gold medal. It's it's worth it. And that's one thing that we've got to realize. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing or something that we've taught ourselves, but we seem to believe that with writing it should be easy when no writer has ever said it was easy. So what's going on there? <laughs> you know, like 
I think I had an interview with a fellow today and he's coming on to do my writing course, The Voices in Your Head. And I love that. Yeah, I, I love, love that. Voices that in Your Head. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a top surgeon. And I have a laugh because he's a guy who's the top in his field in the world and he's coming to me for writing advice. And I said to him, you've got to be joking. What can I tell you? <laughs> you know. But the fact is I'm as much an expert in my field as he is in his field. And I think we write ourselves off um, because we can do it and because we do it all the time, we take it for granted. Now, Sherry, you're sitting in the middle of an ocean uh, with two little kids in the middle of nowhere with no internet and people are asking you or begging you to to work with them. So they're turning to you for inspiration and everyone, we've listened to Sherry now for 20 minutes and already our pens are itching. Sherry, your confidence, even though you may not have the time to write yourself because you're so busy helping other people, is what inspires these people to say, yes, I can do it too. Do you think that's part of the gift that you have to give people coming along behind you? I never thought of that. (laughs) I think most of it is, I mean, confidence in them, I think helps because I really and honestly believe that anyone can create. And I think as soon as anyone believes in you, you can make that step forward. And um, I think it took a long time for me to realize that actually not everyone has someone to be that voice or sometimes it's that backhanded compliment, you know, (laughs) and I realized that that can be huge or even people who think they've been supported um, aren't really supported. Like, yeah, great. Right. I'm really happy you want to write, but then the partner never takes the kids. So what they say is one thing, but then their actions are very different. That's keeping them from actually being able to do things. And so I realized that that just having someone who really 100% says, I believe you can do this is actually huge. So I think, yeah, definitely have confidence. So someone looking at you saying you can do this is huge. Yeah. And, and that's why again, I'm more and more turned to the idea that we need a champion in our side and we need a professional, uh, I guess, on our side because writing buddies are absolutely wonderful and we've all all had writing buddies. We've all had family members. We've all had people on our side. But um, I think now in this day and age we need someone who is, I guess, a little bit removed and a little bit distant who can be your accountability partner, but can do the hard love. Yes, the hard love. And also I think, and this is something that I think a lot of people don't really want to talk about either, is that when it is someone who's close to you, there's also not necessarily healthy competition. You know, when you've got the person who's removed from you, then it's the person who's cheering you on. And you also know sometimes when someone's like, okay, I mean, and I don't do editing or anything like that. I am, not your editor. You need to find someone else for that. I will happily read your work, but just because I like it or don't like it doesn't mean other people will like it or don't like it. So I'm I'm not that person. I'm the person who cheers you on and gives you advice about how to get over things and what to think about. Um, Also with self-publishing, I give what I think is a good idea or not, but there's other people who can do that better. But when it comes to your writing buddy, you have to be very, very careful because they might not even realize that they're lashing out sometimes with jealousy and it could be jealousy because they think they're better and you might be getting closer to success and they're like, wait, my work is better. Why is your successful and not mine? But it could even just be something simple as 
this is comfortable where we are right now. Um, I'm good, you're good, or I'm bad, you're bad. It doesn't matter. But I like where we sit right now. And our brain likes to protect ourselves. I think this is something that we have to remember is that our brain will kill us trying to save us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And change is very scary for your brain. It doesn't matter what the change is. It doesn't even matter if that change is better for you and healthier for you and will make you a happier, vibrant person. It still goes, ooh, change. Change means messy middle. Let's avoid that as much as possible. Shut down. And like lobsters in a pot, start pulling everyone back in with you. Because as long as everyone's around you and you're comfortable and you're safe, you can just keep going. It doesn't matter if you're unhappy or even just vaguely uncomfortable. So like I said, it's the lobsters in the pot. It's pulling people back down um, who are escaping because you can keep everyone around you. You can be safe. You can be secure. And I don't even think it's, it's meant most of the time. I mean, they could honestly think that they're doing it to protect you. I mean, this is even something I see within my own family. Like, um, my little boy, um, he, he, he's the little one. And so therefore the sister's the big one and he likes to have dresses like she does. He wants to dress up as a fairy. He wants to have her dolls. And in Berlin, you know, this is not a problem. We, we roll with it, you know, like who cares? But now that we're here in, in Canada, there's very much, much more of a masculinity culture. And it's very much, you know, what well, you shouldn't be doing that. Yes. And so this toxic masculinity, um, which is rampant, as far as I'm concerned here, is it, not even because um, you want to stop the little guy from embracing this because you're against it per se. It's more because you want to protect him from the outside world. Because you're like, I don't care if you dress up in a dress, but if you go to preschool in a dress, the other kids are going to make fun of you, so I need to protect you. So when it comes to writing buddies or partners in your life or anyone really supporting your dream, and writing is a dream because anything that takes that much heart and guts and courage to produce is a dream. <laughs> you know, like It's not easy. It's like Neil Gaiman said, it's as easy as putting one word after the other and as difficult as that. You know, like it's... Yeah. It's not easy. It sounds easy, but it's not. And so either because it's coming from a darker place of jealousy and trying to prevent you from doing that, or if it's coming from a more loving place of, I don't want to expose you to what this is going to bring you, you know, you have to be careful with your inner circle, what you give them in terms of your hopes, your dreams, your writing, because they can often, whether they mean to or not, completely deflate that dream and then you're left thinking it's you but it wasn't you it was never you it's just the human brain and the way we work and the people who love you can often do the most damage without ever meaning to in the most loving way and so that's sometimes I think it's always good to have that external person to go to that person and be like uh, this is what's going on I think I should give up and the other person can be like yeah it's like your business you have no idea what to do but as soon as you go to a business coach oh yeah, this is what you're doing wrong. Blah, 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 blah. One, two, three. And then you go, oh, you're so right. How come I couldn't see that? What's the forest for the trees? You know, you need that person to come in and be like, okay, this is how you get out. This is the path. Um, you can walk or you don't. But even if you have that information of someone saying, this is where the path leads you out, you can say, okay, I'll walk that path or I'll do one parallel to it. But now all of a sudden you see, aha, these are my options. Whereas beforehand you thought my only option is to quit. And that was never an option. Mm. I'm wondering, 
hearing, Sherry, and as we're talking here, as you say, family are your most loving supporters but your best saboteurs at the same time. (laughs) We talk about um, business coaches and they're becoming a lot more common or we're hearing about them a lot more. And I'm wondering whether it's because they're the ones that give us permission to keep on going when our families... Now, I'm 56 years old, everybody, and I'm running this wonderful podcast. I'm running this wonderful business. I've got my daughters involved in it, and I love my family dearly. And if you're listening, close your ears. Um, They're still (laughs) saying to me, Lynn, you're 56. Isn't it about time you got a real job? (laughs) And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) What do you do? Um, And it's only when I'm talking to you now and I'm listening to you it's it's those business coaches, it's you, it's me. We're very, very busy giving other people permission to fight for their dreams. Yes, absolutely. And I think exactly it goes back to what I was saying, you know, like, I mean, first off, it's often loving. You know, I, I mean, I can remember that actually. My aunt sent me an email. I just spent six months when I first met Patrick traveling around South America on the back of his motorcycle. And she wrote, this was her sentence. You're living the dream, but when are you going to wake up and come home? And I'm like, if I'm living the dream, why would you rip me out of it? (laughs) Uh, Now, everybody, I'm going to interrupt Sherry here, and it's always very hard to interrupt her because she speaks so beautifully and she has so much to say and she's so vibrant. Uh, Sherry, actually, and I didn't introduce her properly, and I should, um, I guess I should um, put that earlier podcast chat of ours in in the notes so you can go back and listen to that everybody sherry has ridden round half the world on the back of a motorbike then she got on the front of her own motorbike with her with her partner patrick and Mm -hmm. she has had what i would consider to be a very adventurous life and i'm all i'm just in awe of her because i'm a bit of an adventurer myself and she's written books about it which is even more amazing about riding around the world on the back of a motorbike and then getting on the front and doing it yourself as well and now she has taken off in a yacht she's sailing around europe and netherlands and all these wonderful places with two very young children now i sailed with a cat and it kept falling overboard so god knows how you're doing it with young kids oh there they go again (laughs) and i look at it on (laughs) They're tied on. As we've been talking tonight, everybody, we've had a few interruptions which we've cut. Sherry has continued talking mid sentence um, (laughs) after patting down children and and getting them sorted and everything. If you're talking about messy middle Sherry's, I'm going to suggest that you're smack bang right in the middle of it and coming up trumps. No, thank you for the trumps because this is just it. You need to embrace it. You need to roll with it. No, absolutely. And this is what I mean too. Often with my um, like clients, I say the same thing. You know, if you let this stop you, it will. And you've got every reason to let it stop you. I mean, the internet. You would think Europe, the marinas, would have internet. They don't. You know, they'll tell you. You can connect, but you won't actually get any exchange of information. You know, you're just this frustration. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's always, 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 always a reason not to do it. And normally, ten thousand reasons not to do it. So the reason why you want to do it has to be strong enough to get over that other ten thousand. And that's why some people succeed and not others. I mean, I also look around sometimes and think. I tell this to people too. How did that person succeed? Like seriously, when you're right, when you look at the quality of the book or the quality of the show or whatever it is, there's nothing there that would say so fabulous that you managed to get through it, but they did. And that's why, because they never gave up. As long as you don't give up, 
you will do it. You will find your people. You know, like the world is big enough. The Internet's big enough. I don't care. I mean, come on, dinosaur porn. (laughs) We have now reached a world where you can find people who want and need dinosaur porn. No depressing judgment. Um, But if this is the world we live in, you can definitely find your thousand true fans. However, how long does it take to find that thousand true fans? It could take a year if you're lucky, and that's extremely lucky. I think most people should count on five to ten years. I really actually like what Joanna Pan talked about with the Olympic planning and that's your goals. You know, like don't look at it as one year, look at it as four years and then eight years and then twelve years. That that's a much more realistic time scale of whatever your first milestone is, push it out four years. Now work for it. Like it was gonna be for one year. You've got to go for it. You've got to believe in it. And and that's the difference. As soon as you start falling down and staying down. If you don't get back up and start writing again, it's, it's not going to happen. And everyone has a million reasons why not to write. Look at J.K. Rowling. You know, that poor woman. <laughs> like, I mean, now she's rolling in it. But at the time, she did not have an easy time of getting that book out and all the rejections. And she didn't say, okay, I'm going to put it in a thing. I should never have done it. You know, here I am barely surviving, feeding my children, and I'm spending my free time writing a book. I mean, I'm sure her family was like, give it up, you know, take a second job, take a third job, you know, do whatever it takes to get money in the bank. But you need to decide sometimes, okay, and money's important. I'm not saying money is important, but sometimes it's easier to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to cut out the pizza and the movies and the clothes every weekend and instead go with the necessities and writing. And if that's not something you want to do, if you want it all, then I would wonder how badly you really want it. That's not saying you can't have it all, but most people have to pay their dues first. And part of paying your dues is what do you give up? What do you struggle with? What drives you crazy? And you still go back and do it anyway. You know, <laughs> like, I think that's the important part. It's not easy. It's not. Yeah. And we're talking about creativity here, everybody. It's something that society doesn't value, although there does appear to be more value being placed on it, uh, especially in the last few years. And I I think that's gathering momentum that we realise that our creatives are actually what makes the world go round. We can't all be... Uh, middle middle management um, business people because the life would be a very, very boring place to live. So our creatives are gathering momentum. I, I do believe that our indie publishing world is gathering momentum at a faster rate. Uh, so we've mentioned Joanna Penn a couple of times on the podcast tonight. People like her are inspiring the rest of us to have a go and we mm-hmm. in our turn are inspiring the people that come along behind us. There is nothing wrong with that goal of saying, I wrote a book and people want to do it. And I think the statistics are quite high about people saying, I want to write a book. But the statistics are really, really low about people saying, I have written a book. And Mm -hmm. you've got that messy middle that which we've talked about now, and it really does exist, everybody. I can tell you, I'm watching (laughs) Sherry here this morning. Uh, It does exist. How do you know you're through the other side of it? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think you ever truly get through a messy middle. <laughs> uh, and that's also why I said that, you know, it's the cycles. Um, you get things figured out and then you will have a phase. Maybe it's a couple of months. You might even get up to a year where you've got things figured out. It's working. You know, you've got your systems in place. And then something happens to bump it all out and you need to readjust. 
and this is what happens. And I think also this is why sometimes people get a little bit of traction, a little bit of success, and then when it happens again, they once again internalize it and blame themselves and go, okay, actually, it was a fluke. I was never meant to really be doing this writing thing. And they give up. And you're like, no, no, this this is, you're, you're just going back. You know, like, this is normal. This is the cycle. This is, you know, even the seasons have cycles. You know, We don't think winter, except for Game of Thrones, you know, winter's forever. You know, it's just, it's a period of your life and you get through it. And, um, but that's the hard part. It's the, the believing that this, or letting your, you know, your gremlins in your head come tell you, see, I told you everything I said before was right. This was just a fluke. And you really do don't get to do this and um, and when you give in to them because it's tempting like i said that they really want to keep you safe it's not even a case of they want to be bad to you it's all about putting you in that warm fuzzy blanket keeping you from being exposed to the world and um but no it, it'll always happen like i said you'll level up and so will your messy middle <laughs> it'll just be a different thing yeah and if you don't have a go guys uh i think as indie publishers especially if you don't have a go you'll never never know if you don't put pen to paper and you don't start writing those words down, I'm watching people buy course after course. I'm watching them invest a lot of money in in a lot of things, um, the technology, the platforms, uh, the courses, whatever it is. But the one thing that people aren't doing is putting pen to paper and actually writing. Um, there's got to be a secret there, hasn't there? Yeah, and I really think that secret is willing to go through the messy middle. And accept that there's no getting over it. People buy the courses hoping to catapult, you know, because they bought that package of caterpillar to butterfly. They, they really are hoping that it's going to be a secret. It's not a secret. <laughs> it's not. They, they might help you get through it faster. These courses will do that. I do believe, like, okay, there's crappy courses out there, but a lot of the courses basically are giving the lessons these people learned in a messy middle and passing it on. So they're trying to shortcut your messy middle, but people believe it's taking it out altogether. And it's not true. Not going to happen. You can get through it faster if you've got, you know, a map, but you still need to go through it. And so I think a lot of people then put that toe in and go, oh, messy middle. This isn't what I paid for. And they never go back. (laughs) And again, I think a lot of it's because they blame themselves. They really think that it's their fault, but it's not. It's, It's normal. You need to go through it. The only part that's your fault is not being willing to follow through. Yeah, and the coach, the whole coaching thing as well. Like you coach, I coach. We can only, and I, I put the same caveat, caveat on that you mentioned earlier tonight. I'm here to be your cheer squad. I'm here to be your accountability partner. But there's only one people who can, person who can move that pen, and it's you. And if you choose not to do it, there's not a whole lot that the rest of us can do about it. Nope. And like I said, there's a million reasons why not to. And they're all equally good, valid reasons. <laughs> you know, like that's, I'm not saying that your reasons are excuses even. Sometimes they are, but there's actually a lot of good reasons not to. And you've got to decide for yourself, but is my one reason to do it blowing everything else out of the water? And I think for most people it should be. That's why you're feeling stinted or stunted and not happy in your life because you're not letting your creativity flow through you're blocking it and you're blocking it through fear and this is an issue like we really need to fight this this is not something that um this is what's wrong with the world we're letting fear drive us instead of actually sitting down and doing some uncomfortable questioning and doing some uncomfortable searching and coming up with answers that maybe hurt to find, but are actually much more true. You know, I liken it sometimes even to being um, in an operation. If you've got cancer, 
you know, it, it's going to hurt to have it taken out. But it is, though. Think about it. No one wants to go through surgery. You know? <laughs> but if you do not, and afterwards, it's still going to hurt a little bit. You know, you need to get stronger. But um, it's a cleaner pain. The pain before surgery is this dirtier, blackish pain. And then once you've gone through it and you've had the surgery, it still hurts. Of course, it still hurts. But the pain is cleaner. It's a cleaner pain. Yeah. And I think that's important. And I, and I think everybody that uh, we all have had situations in our lives where we can relate to what Sher- Sherry's telling us. Uh, we we want to write our books. We want to be indie publishers. All the tools of the trade are there for us to do it. All we've got to do is hire a professional editor, hire a cover designer, get someone to put it up for us, and we are published. Yet we're still failing. We're still not getting there. And we're going, well, oh, everyone else is doing it. But you will get there in your own time. We all get there in our own time. Now, you had a summit, and I wanted to bring that in, uh, and it's taken us 45 minutes to get there, everybody. <laughs> um, and we've been rather conservative tonight, I've got to tell you, haven't we? We've, we've behaved ourselves. I'm actually Sharon. impressed. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've both improved since last time. <laughs> well, I'm asleep. It's really late here, and it's really early for you. I think that's half the reason. Um, but let's have a little talk about this summit because um, a lot of the things that you offer in your summit course are things that are around the trappings of writing, but they don't directly relate. And that was what made me enroll in this summit course, everyone. It was about oh, eating healthily and getting your mindset right and yoga and meditation and all these weird things. And I'm going, oh, but they're all part of the journey. Yes. And I think this was really what Creative Mermaid is about. And I've only recently really started pushing that with the retreat, but it's this holistic approach to creativity because this is something we all try to do. And also why the messy middle is because messy middle doesn't fit in a box and everyone wants to try to put everything in their lives in a box. (laughs) Okay. This is my creative time. This is my family time. This is my work time. This is my Netflix time. It doesn't work like that. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you know, if you're not eating healthily, if you're not, meditating and everyone's afraid of meditation but really even just a couple of minutes a day can really just bring you down (laughs) and a good down though not like a depressed down but an actual okay into my body I think this is something that um yeah it's not the the, the sexier part you know with the creative mermaids and why sometimes people have told me sure you got to stop doing this because you're scaring people but I'm like no you don't want to it's not that I want to scare people but I want them to realize that I'm not selling you a pretty package I'm telling you the truth do you want results or do you want to lie and if you want to lie don't come to me you need to go to somebody else because I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy I'm not going to tell you you know 15 minutes a day and you'll have your book out next year um you may or may not, um, but you need to look at your whole life. Like even what we we're talking about earlier, you know, with your family and everything else, um, eating right, meditation, um, thinking about your values and are these people helping you or hindering you? You know, these are all things you need to think about because if you want to get through this messy middle, you need to be armed. It's not easy. <laughs> if you're not taking care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally, you are not going to do it. You know, this is a training. You know, just like you wouldn't run a marathon without training and taking care of yourself. If you want to be a full time creative, you need to take care of yourself. And I think this is something as creatives we often don't talk about because the creative is either someone who does it in 
corners and dark corners, tentative scribblings, and never actually let it out. Or we see them sometimes as this self-destructive um, person who just throws himself all in. You know, they're alcoholics. You know, how many alcoholic writers? You know, it's like an archetype, not even a stereotype anymore. You know, like it's. You know, <laughs> but um, and instead of just going, you know what? Maybe it's neither. You know, why do we have to put these extremes all the time? Why can't we just have a holistic approach to life, our creativity, you know, taking care of ourselves, thinking about, okay, what do I really want? Because this is also something that maybe what you think you want is completely different from what you want. And all of a sudden, you know, you're six months into chasing a dream and you're killing yourself and you don't even know why. Whereas if you're practicing a bit more mindfulness, you know, you're doing, you're hitting the yoga mat or you're doing a little bit of meditation, you're eating healthy, you're constantly checking in with yourself and asking yourself the harder questions all of a sudden you're like okay you know what this is what I want or actually I thought I wanted this but it's actually completely not what I wanted (laughs) and therefore that's fine now I just need to pivot there's nothing wrong with pivoting there's nothing wrong with saying what I thought I wanted is not what I want I actually want this you know maybe I thought I wanted to write literature but actually I'm really happy writing trashy pulpy novels or maybe the opposite maybe you're like I really just wanted money fast and now I realize that actually the money's not what I want I want to write literature and I don't care if I make any money from it you know (laughs) But we lie to ourselves, especially once we start getting closer. You know, it's the whole sunk cost thing. We start getting closer to a goal, even if it's making us miserable, we want to cling there. We want to hold on. We're like, I got this far. I sunk so much of my soul into getting here. I'm not giving up. And this is also a little bit what this retreat was about, was about, you know, giving you the tools to have a more holistic approach and to really be healthy and creative, not just, you know, shameful dark corners or full-fledging alcoholic for the whole world to see Johnny Depp style, I'm who I am, and bite me otherwise. You know, like, how about something, you know, a bit more in the middle, you know? Like, yes, we've all got the self-destructive side, and yes, we've all sometimes want to go into the corner and write, but let's take care of ourselves. Let's look at creativity as something that's part of our lives and part of the life. So we need to take care of the whole package, not just one or the other. Yeah, it's a it's a nice idea, isn't it, that we can be creatives and we can consider it a lifestyle, uh, whereas before it was something that go out and get a real job and yeah, you can be creative, but you can do it for an hour at night. Isn't it nice that we can bring it to the center of our lives and learn to deal with it? I love it. I really do. And I think that this is also partially a creative, a messy middle for the creatives at the moment. You know, it's how to figure out how to do this because this is brand new. You know, this, this whole thing is brand new. Um, there's actually, have you seen, um, Ken Robinson's Ted talk on creativity and schools and it's fabulous. And one thing he says is that schools are training us for the past, you know, and again, it's, it's a mean, it's not in a mean way, but they don't know what the future is. They can tell you how to succeed based on the last 20 years, what they think you need, but we don't know. And so we're really floundering sometimes because again, when our family says, get a real job or wake up from the dream, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's not, sometimes it's, it's from a darker place, but normally it's because they want to protect you. They're like, you know, this is going to dry up. And then what are you going to do? Well, what if I'm killing myself at a job? It's soul sucking. And they just fire me one day, you know, or the company goes under, like there's no security anywhere, but we still like to cling to the past because as humans, we like to see that pattern and go, well, that's safer. We don't know what's safer. You know, <laughs> like We don't. And you're just as likely to stay safe 
and small and still get squished as if you go out full-fledged, full-color, full-boldness. In fact, you're probably less likely to get squished because people are afraid of the full-color boldness. But even if you are a target, your very nature lets you be able to dodge it. And so I think this is something that, um, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out this new world of how I'm like, I can be creative. I can travel around the world writing. Oh, I'm not going to make a fortune, but I can sustain myself, you know, and I'm doing what a lot of people will save for their whole lives and still not be able to do. And this is huge. And it's also, it can be sometimes you kind of go, Ooh, <laughs> there isn't a lot of people doing the patterns. You know, there's not a lot of safety things to fall out. You need to make your own map, but it's exciting that we live in a world that we can. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future as more and more people embrace this and see where we go with it. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Sherry, because the changes that I'm seeing happening is that the jobs that were once considered safe are now disappearing and the skills that you and I and those around us that have had, we've had to embrace them. We have no choice. We have to learn the technology. We have to learn Facebook ads. We have to learn algorithms. (laughs) We have to do all this stuff alongside our creativity. That's what's going to take us uh, into the future. And I say to my kids at school all the time, have a look at me. Don't laugh at me um, because these are the skills that you're going to need. Forget thinking that you're going to go and get a job in an office for the next 20 years and be safe because those jobs are gone. Yep. Well, at this point, even you know McDonald's jobs are disappearing. You know, like every single place you go into, have these machines that you can just type in. You know, like the job force is shrinking, and and there's no guarantee for anything. Um, and you can fight that, of course, but change is happening, and you can either fight it and then just be dragged. Or you can embrace it and roll with it. And there's two very different outcomes from being dragged and rolling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is, look, I could talk with Sherry for ages, everybody, but it is it is coming up to an hour. We've talked for 51 minutes and I can hear her son getting restless for the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been very, very good and he's allowed us to have this conversation. Uh, there's lots of things we can talk about around mothering and fathering and adventuring and lots of love, lots of other ing words but the fact <laughs> is doing it starting getting in there putting pen to paper saying i can make a living uh around my creativity it may not be the books to start with it may be other things that are close to it um but you put books together and you put courses together and you put coaching together and you put a lot of things that you give away for free um that Mm -hmm. have no monetary value but i tell you what they make you feel good um which is what life is all about and when you're on your deathbed you're going to say i felt really really good because i achieved these things and these kids achieve these things around me you don't die with a million dollars in the bank, but gee, you die happy. Is Sherry's nodding her head here, going, "Yeah, I agree with that." I think we'll, yeah. I think we'll have another little talk. 30, 40, 50, 6, percent. <laughs> yeah. So okay. continue. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I just, I had to. That was just exactly. You pretty much just summed up everything that I teach coach write about. That in the end, you're the only person who want to live your life. It doesn't matter who looks in and thinks, oh, and this is one thing I also talk about this golden cage and we can end on that, you know, with a golden cage, you know, it's so shiny on the outside and, you know, you might have the status and the car and the house and everything else and you are dying inside. 
But a lot of people won't break out of that cage because they're so afraid. They're, the bars are strong and people look at you and go, but you've got what I want. You've got that shiny cage. I want that cage. Now, if they were in it, they'd probably think, oh, God, the same thing. This is not what I want. I I kill myself working. <laughs> you know, I do a job I hate. This is not everybody, but, you know, a large majority of people who often want to write and are afraid to because they don't want to downgrade. And this is what they tell me, too. I have to get this sometimes. People who often don't commit um, because they don't want to give up the bells and whistles. And if you get real happiness from those bells and whistles, don't give them up. I'm not telling you to do that. Don't. If that makes you happy, then continue on your path. But if you are not happy, why won't you give up those bells and whistles to do something that will make you happy? And it's the golden cage because as soon as you step out of it, all of a sudden people look at you going, what have you done? You know, you had the car, you had the house, and now you're living in a one bedroom apartment and traveling six months a year and doing the other six months cranking out and fixing up the novel you were writing the six months you were traveling. You're nuts. Um, but you're probably way happier. And now so you can afford to do this because very few people can afford to do. And this was something too. I always tell people like when you look at our life before we went on the boat, um, we put majority of our salaries away. Um, you know, our car was a Toyota Igo, you know, four seats, two doors, but it wasn't a fancy sports car. You know, this was not even a family car. This is something that high school students drive. You know, Patrick's a CTO and he's driving a high school car, but at our apartment was not full of designing furniture. It was not fancily furnished. It looked like a student apartment. But during those four years, we slapped that salary away, and now we're traveling around the world for the next two to four years. And But that was a conscious choice we had to make, that we were like, you know what, okay, like my writing was not enough to sustain us for four years traveling around the world. Uh, we hope that by the end of it, it will be, but it's not enough to say savings, insurance, travel, doing everything we want to do. Um, so we had to save, and we had to make those choices, and we stepped out of the golden cage but it's, it's a hard cage to step out of, you know, even we had like, um, people over and they're looking around going, Ooh, <laughs> you're my boss, but my apartment is way nicer. <laughs> but it's the choice we made. We stepped out of that golden cage to do something that made us happier. And this is something that in the end, like you said, you can die with it on the bank and everyone looking at you, but if you died miserable, who really won? And again, there's not a winning. There is no winning because it's only you. It's the other thing. Like we all think who wins when we die, but no one gets out alive and there is no winning. It's just what experience did you have? You know? Are you happy with your time on earth? That's it. I have been going to unpack this for probably the last ten minutes. And every time I go to start, I go, no, okay. Uh, everybody, this is a woman who has downgraded to sail around the world and has travelled all through Europe and all the rest of it. Um, she's not suffering, that's all I can say. Uh, Creative Mermaids is an amazingly successful uh, online business I would suggest that we're all gravitating to because we all want to feel good and Sherry has this way of making us all feel good. She makes us all feel that anything and everything is possible. You've had a little bit of that experience tonight as Sherry's been sharing with us and talking with us. Um, what you're not seeing is that she is in this tiny little apartment or house or room with kids trying to crawl up her ankles and a mother trying to keep her children quiet. It hasn't been easy for her and 
no one would know it um, because those messy middles keep on keeping on. They're that wonderful gift that never go away. Uh, Sherry, I'm assuming I will have you back again and again and again and you I will continue so. to grow. Um, your, your clients will continue to gravitate to you because you're giving them the gift to have a go for themselves. Thank you, and I hope so because, like I said, I think this is something that I've always wanted to do, which is help people become more confident and live the life of their dreams on their own terms. And I think this is the key thing, that we often look at the outside, and if I can do that, I'll be a very happy person. Yeah, and everybody... Even with the messy middle. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) please don't go and buy all these courses that tell you that you can be perfect in 30 days and you can have six books out at the same time to do it. Uh, They're all out there. They're all coming out hand over fist. You have to get down and get dirty. Certainly, I I Mm -hmm. strongly suggest that you get someone to hold your hand uh, and you get someone who is a step ahead of you. Pay them. Pay them for what they're worth because um, it's a job like any other job. But choose wisely. Choose Mm -hmm. the people who are going to be professional about it. Choose the people who aren't going to tell you a whole pack of lies Um, and then you're going to put that course in the bottom cupboard like I have with so many of them. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not the only. I can assure I think you. Too, you know? Yeah, I'm not the only one. We're all the same. Um, choose someone human. <laughs> choose someone real. Um, choose someone who's sailing around the world on a yacht because you know that <laughs> you know that they know what they're talking about. Because we all want to sail around the world on the yacht as well. Uh, thank you, Sherry. Where can we find you? Thank you. You can find me at creativemermaids.com. Um, there you will find a number of different pictures with titles and each one of those will take you to whatever you're looking for. So if you're looking for the medium articles, which I now do instead of blogging, or if you're looking for the courses, it's the creative and vibrant living Academy, or if you're looking for the books, it'll take you straight to Amazon. Or if you're looking for the coaching, it'll take you to the coaching page. Yeah. Now everybody keep in mind that I looked at that page and couldn't find anything about it. Um, so there is a system. There I need is to clear method. it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's a method to the madness, um, but some of us aren't quite quick enough to see it. Uh, Sherry, we will love to have you back because 12 months ago when I had you aboard, you were full of enthusiasm like you are now. You were very generous with your advice. 12 months on, can I suggest that your business has grown to such a degree that you're such an expert now that people are naturally gravitating to you? I can't wait to see where you'll be in another 12 months. I'm looking forward to it too. I think it's going to be a fun journey. Yeah, and physically she might be out in Australia, everybody, but she's a bit worried that she can't, <laughs> she can't get a dog in because Johnny Depp spoiled it for everybody. Uh, on that oh, note, on that note, I'll say bye from Sherry McCarthy of uh, Creative Mermaids. Uh, bye from Melinda Hammond at wherever I am, Rider on the Road, and may the yacht and the uh, caravan meet one day. So it's bye for now. Bye.